The last time that we had the opportunity to be together was Sunday morning, March 8th, a month ago. And now it looks like it's going to be another month uh, for us to have the, the joy and the privilege to meet together uh, and sing together and worship together. Um, <clears throat> meeting online, having FaceTime conversations with one another and with family, it, it seems like that's all that's left for us. It's all that we can do. Or is it? Is it really all that we can do? In the last week or so, one of the things I've heard people ask is this, what is the first thing that you're going to do when this is all over? What is it? You're going to go somewhere? You're going to eat something? What's the first thing that you can't wait to do? Well, my question is this, why wait? Why wait till the 4th of May? Why wait till the stay at home is done? Now, don't misunderstand me. What I'm not asking everyone to do is to ignore the directives of our local and state officials. That's not what I'm asking you to do. What I am asking you to consider is what are you able to do right now that you don't have to wait for? But what is it that you think we can do, Shan? I, listen, I get that frustration. I know we're all discouraged because we feel like we're trapped in our homes, but the blessing that these burdens give to you and me is the focus, the intense focus now that we really have so much time on our hands. Let's face it, when things are going well, we're relaxed. We're laid back and things really aren't that big of a deal. But when things are difficult like they are right now, you and I can hear someone cough two houses away. We've developed uh, an ability to measure six feet with laser-like accuracy right now. And you may think that that's kind of silly, but you know that there's a sense of truth to those things. That's just the life that we have now, the subculture that you and I have developed. My point is this, what are you focusing your energy on right now? What is it that you think that really matters right now? Uh, the things that do seem to matter, unfortunately, are the very things that we have little to no control over. And that can be frustrating and even add to the burden that we have. We really could be anxious, which is why two Sundays ago we started this series of Keep Calm. And two Sundays ago my uh, message was Keep Calm and Wait. And last Sunday Trey's message was Keep Calm and and rest. So you and I are waiting and we're resting and having waited and rested, the time has come for you and I to keep calm and pray. That is what I'm asking you to do now. That's what you can do right now. We've been looking at the book of Psalms and listening to the heart of of the writer and as he shares his prayers with us his personal worship with God with us there are some uh, some feelings that he shares and some challenges that he expresses that really aren't so different from our own 
Psalm 13 is a short psalm by comparison, and I think there are some things in it about prayer that frankly really do matter to you and to me and to God. The first thing is what we pray matters. It really does. The things that we pray matter. The first two verses of Psalm 13 say this, Lord, how long must I wait? Will you forget me forever? How long will you turn your face away from me? How long must I struggle with my thoughts? How long must my heart be sad day after day? How long will my enemies keep winning the battle over me? The writer asks five questions. And I suppose it's really easy just to recognize that you and I could summarize them all together by saying, how long, God? How long? I want you to know that when you and I pray, especially in days like this and in circumstances like this, it's okay to ask God questions. It is okay even to tell him that we're afraid or that we don't understand or we think that events that are going on really aren't fair. Uh, our relationship with God is not, not exactly like the best relationships that you and I have with each other, but you know, it really isn't that far off really is quite similar. You know, when Jesus asks uh, uh, you and I to pray, he teaches you and I to pray. One of the things that he did was he, he told us to begin with a, an endearing title. And he says, Abba, Father. It is, it's, a, it's a wonderful term that has the best combination of uh, endearment, uh, as if when you and I were saying dad or, and or respect as if you and I were saying, Father. It has all the best qualities of all that. There's an intimacy there that you and I really need to respect. In that kind of relationship, you and I can ask God just about anything and in any way. And he's listening. We can ask him about things we don't understand. And as I said, things that we don't think are fair. It may seem odd, but I, I think that one of the reasons that these prayers are found for you and I in the scriptures is so that when we ask questions like that, very pointed, very specific, when the answers come, we can say, there it is. I get it now. God, you heard me. You answered me. And more importantly, we're praying to the only one who has the ability to give us those answers. What we pray matters but also how we pray matters. The next two verses say this, Lord, my God, look at me and answer me. Give me new life or I will die. Then my enemies will say, we've beaten him. They will be filled with joy when I die. Seems kind of crazy to have a prayer like that and for me to recommend that you and I can pray like that. And, and when I'm talking about how we pray, I'm talking about attitude. I'm talking about mindset. Those are the things that I want us to, to, to work on. The writer, he's always talking about people that are after him, people that are attacking him. And, and he's so worried what's going to happen to him that he actually demands of God an answer. He wants to know 
what's really going to be happening. You may think that praying like that is awkward, but even inappropriate. But I would ask you, if you and I can't go to God with questions like this, then where do we go? Twitter? Facebook? I mean, what's the point? I might ask you, what is your inclination? To post first or to pray first? I want to share something recently uh, that I learned uh, that actually has been quite helpful to me, and I I think it will be to you uh, in your relationships uh, with each other and with God. It is called the triangle of authenticity, and it it has a pattern that you and I can follow to categorize the relationships that we have into uh, activities of health. And it really is uh, quite helpful. The base of the triangle that you see there is uh, about being honest in our relationships. No matter who we deal with, anywhere, at any time, we need to be honest with all, with everyone that we come into contact with. But being honest with everyone doesn't mean that we have to say everything. That's not the point. The point is to just simply be honest with everyone we come into contact with. Uh, and, and frankly, not everyone wants to know everything about you. And you don't need to say everything about you. That's not the point. It's just to be honest with all. The middle section is about being transparent. Being transparent with people. There are people in our lives that you and I know that we can give more truth to. Be a little bit more honest with. We can be transparent with some people. That's the point. Again, not the whole truth, but more truth. Uh, and, and not with everyone, just with some people. Transparent with some. The last section is about being vulnerable with everyone. Vulnerable, excuse me, vulnerable with some people, uh, a few people. This is being completely honest, giving just a few people, the whole truth. There aren't a whole lot of people that need to know everything about us. Just a few people. Your spouse, or maybe someone in in family or a very close friend that will listen to what you have to say and will love you and protect you, give you wisdom and good counsel. Okay, Shan, yeah, that sounds good, but... I'm just curious, what does this have to do with prayer? Why is this important? Well, uh, let's take these categories and, and kind of flip them upside down to, to give you a, a, an opposite view to help you understand why this has anything to do with your relationship with God and with prayer. And instead of calling it the triangle of authenticity, let's call this the triangle of uncertainty. Triangle of uncertainty. And instead of being honest with all, let's be vulnerable with everyone, all right? Let's just do that. Uh, For example, someone takes uh, some very private information about something that's happened to them or something that is going on with them and they post it on Facebook. They post it on social media. You say, what in the world? Why would anyone do that? And right now, some of you are kind of smiling or thinking, oh yeah, I did that. Uh, Why would anyone do that? It's probably because sometime 
a long time ago, or maybe just a, a short time ago, you had some private information and you shared it with someone, <clears throat> and, and they, instead of protecting you with that private information, used it against you. And it hurt really bad. So in your vulnerability with what happened, you shared that event with someone else. And they shared what happened with some others. And now you're vulnerable with everybody. Instead of letting that just fade away, you felt the need to, the need to clear some things up, and so you put another post out to, to just kind of uh, make the water uh, a little bit more clear. And in fact, what it did is it made things more muddy. You got more comments from people that you really didn't know or really didn't care to know. And now it's a mess. It's kind of like saying, my enemies are winning. Then, because of that wound, you feel a little, you decide to tell a little less truth to people. You become transparent only with some folks. And still, some of them take what you've told them and they share that with others. And you become even more frustrated, you're even more wounded, and you decide to be honest with very few people. And now you're angry and you're frustrated and you're isolated. And in that state, you decide to tell one person why you're angry and how you got hurt, and they share that with not just one or two people, but with quite a few people, and you're surprised when the cycle starts all over again. And if any of you are paying any attention at all, you know that I've just described quite a few Facebook posts that you've seen. And when a guy then, like me, encourages you to pray, you're thinking, there's no way. There's no way I'm going to make myself that vulnerable again. And it makes prayer, frankly, really difficult. Well, guess what? Right now, everybody's vulnerable. Right now, everyone is frustrated. And some are really scared. And right now, we're trying to figure out how in the world this is all going to end, and none of us really, really knows not just how it's going to end, but when. And that's why we need to be really authentic. And we need to pray. When we're honest with God, it's okay to ask him hard questions. And when we ask God hard questions, then we can be transparent with God. God, uh, when are you going to show up? Because frankly, God, right now, uh, I don't like what's happening to my world. And when we're honest with God and transparent with God, then we can be vulnerable with God. God, when are you going to show up? Because frankly, right now, I don't like what's happening to my world. And to be completely honest, God, I'm scared. God, the church can't take too much more of this. Our people need each other. And God, my parents and my mother-in-law really are not in a good place to be handling this kind of strain. And God, my daughter, 
and my daughter-in-law are carrying babies. God, when is our world going to be safe again? That's why what you and I pray matters. That's why how we pray matters. And lastly, when we pray really matters. The last two verses of Psalm 13 say, but I trust in your faithful love. My heart is filled with joy because you will save me. The beginning of this psalm starts with complaints by the author because of his view of God's inactivity or even indifference. But the psalm ends with this author being thankful and excited. I have no idea whether there was some time in between, say, the first uh, verse and the last verse. I don't know if he started and finished it all in one writing or he started it and took a, a break uh, of a day or a week and then he finished it later on. I don't know. But you know what I do know? His prayer has changed from when he started to when he finished. And our prayers change over time. The things that we prayed about last week are not the things that we're praying about now. The things that we thought mattered yesterday may not matter tomorrow. It may be a whole different set of priorities. But that's okay. It's okay. Three weeks ago, Disney World closed. And there were people praying that they wouldn't lose their vacation. Two weeks ago, businesses began to close. And then people began to pray that they wouldn't lose their job. This coming week, the virus that we're trying to deal with is supposed to reach its intensity with the ability to infect anyone and everyone in this country. Our healthcare systems in some areas are stretched to the breaking point and just a couple of places beyond the breaking point. And right now, <clears throat> people are praying that they won't lose their friends or members of their family. It's not that what we were praying uh, three weeks ago was inappropriate or came from a perspective of a lack of faith, we just didn't know. We didn't know what was getting ready to happen. But what's good about it is we were praying and we're still praying. And that's really the whole point. Our prayers change as fast as our world changes around us. <clears throat> and as I said, what's good is that we're still praying. God, listen, God isn't offended by our frustrations. And God isn't bothered by our questions. He knows what's going to happen next week. We don't even know what's going to happen this afternoon. What God is really looking for from you and from me is uh, to trust him. He doesn't use uh, our lack of faith or our frustration or our questions against us. He doesn't use our vulnerability 
against us. What he does do is he uses uh, our, our burdens as an opportunity for you and I to trust him, to lean on him again. There's a history we have with him. He was faithful before. And he'll be faithful again. I will sing praise to the Lord. He has been so good to me. Jesus told three stories in Luke chapter 13, 15, excuse me. They were uh, all really the same kind of a story leading to the same point. The first one was about a shepherd that had a hundred sheep. One of them ran away and the shepherd left the 99 sheep to go and rescue the one. The second story is about a woman who had 10 coins in her home. She lost one of them and she turned her house upside down until she found that one lost coin. The third story is one of Jesus' most famous and it's about a father that had two sons. And the younger one came to him and asked him for his inheritance before the death of his father. The father actually gave it to him and the son left. I know that many of you know this story, but I was listening to a podcast last week and the speaker reminded me of one particular word. It's a, wo a word that we often overlook. Jesus says, after he had spent everything, the younger son took that money and just squandered it. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in the land. It's the word famine that you and I often overlook. A famine is a region-wide event where there is no food anywhere. And people are desperate. They're starving. When that happened, it changed everything for the younger son. It changed the way that he was thinking. He saw his father in a completely different light. He left that land. And when he went, and when he went home, he found his father waiting for him. Now, I don't know about you, but I think we're living in the midst of a famine that we never saw coming. We find ourselves living in a land with a virus that, can, uh, that makes anyone afraid of everyone. It's a famine of trust. We find ourselves living in a land where even the best and the brightest aren't really sure what to do next. It's a famine of confidence, of security. And we find ourselves living in a land where we're isolated from people that we do know and people that we don't know. It's a famine of relationships. So many people are thinking so differently than they were at the beginning of March. So many people are beginning to see God in a completely different light and so many people no longer want to live in a land of famine. And they want to leave. I want to tell everyone about the God who's waiting for them. 
I want to tell everyone about the God who has a history with you and me and who wants to have a relationship with you and me and whose son died for you and me. And I want to tell everyone to keep calm and pray because you and I are leaving the land. God, thank you so much for loving us. God, thank you so much for hearing our prayers, hearing prayers when we cry out and we're frustrated. Sometimes our complaining is just whining and sometimes our complaining doesn't even have words, it just has tears. We miss people that we love. We're afraid for our jobs. We're burdened by not knowing how this is going to end and what's going to take place. But God, we know that you know what's going to happen. We know that you love us. We know that you care about us. And God, as we lean on you, you will be faithful. You were faithful before and you'll be faithful again. You shared uh, your love with us before and you'll share your love with us again. You reached out to us and protected us before and you're going to reach out to us and you will protect us again. We're not praying to you because we're desperate. We're praying to you because we love you and we remember what you've done for us. God, thank you so much for hearing us each and every day. And as we lift our eyes and our hearts heavenward, God, we're excited. We can't wait to see what you're going to do. God, remove our fear and replace it with confidence. God, remove our worries and replace it with understanding and security. And God, when all those things happen, we'll look to you and we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory that you have earned and will earn again. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name.